Good morning, rock stars! From coast to coast, we give you a toast as you listen to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm your host, Joe <laughs> Rutten, director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute at Mount Marty University in Yankton, South Dakota, and I'm joined, as always... By my brothers Rutten. I'm Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II in Harrisburg, South Dakota. And I'm Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How we doing, brothers? One day at a time, and that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Like, today is the day, Uh, one day at a time, it's awesome. Uh, So how's this one day going? It's good. I... um, have a new prayer. Do you have gonna, <laughs> so you, I I have a new prayer that's going to make the day always the best. You know, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> it's like going to solve everything. So I right. got my new prayer. Yeah, no, it's a prayer of abandonment. But uh, oh, yeah. um, I don't know great. if you know Ignatian prayer always sort of begins with uh, you know recognizing you're in the presence of God and then concludes with the colloquy and you kind of um, so I like started my day like before I even walk in the chapel. Uh, you know, it's the abandonment prayer. And then when I leave, the abandonment prayer. So, yes. Yeah, so Outstanding. It's one day at a time. Today's a great day. Hope it is for all of you listening. Well, we, sh- we shall abandon you. Yes. Father Paul? How <laughs> <laughs> doing well? Yeah. Uh, just trying to keep one foot in front of the other. Uh, uh, I'm on lots of committees. So I've <laughs> been at lots of meetings and lots of meetings. And Isn't there a book called Death to Committee? Like death by <laughs> death meeting. by meeting. By meeting. Yep. 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 So and they're Should all we good. check your pulse? They're all good, but uh there it was like twenty minutes before the meeting was over and I literally was just shut down. Mm. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm done. Like, like I cannot take any more information in right now. So mm. right. But and you're oh, an yeah, introvert. You're an so, intro. You have got right. to process and all so that. It stuff. was a lot. It was a lot. But it's good. Jesus is still in charge and he's still king of the universe. So the rest of us just talk out loud, don't worry about processing, and then add double problems to you right? and, and then your should... personalities, because there's more information. Then we show up at the meeting a month later, and we're like, uh, where were we again? Everybody listening, welcome to Rutten Radio and how we prepare. <laughs> but we're getting back on your trackball. We'll yeah, help it we'll help right. out so no, that Rutten Radio right. isn't one more... Nope. Problematic. So, that's great. Well, it's good to uh, be back in the studio. I'm doing fantastic. School started up. We had like a six-week, seven-week, eight-week break. I don't know. It was a huge break. But uh, so I'm back in the classroom, which is fantastic. I'm every time I walk back in a classroom, I'm like, "Yep, this is where I'm supposed to be." Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I got the best job ever. It's not really a job, career, calling, vocation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. So so I'm doing great. Ready to rock and roll and. Uh, I want to kick this thing off uh, with Rutten Radio here. If anybody's out there listening and doesn't follow us, you can do so on Facebook, primarily through the Rutten Radio Facebook page or yep. on the Real Presence Network uh, app or um, um, Facebook page, or you can get the Rutten Radio app for your devices where you, <laughs> it's not an app. I know, Father Paul, I get this wrong every time. It's not an app. <laughs> It's, you can uh, subscribe to Rutten Radio <laughs> on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. We should just we should just transition this yep. so that every time you do that, you should. that would so, be great. That'd be yeah. great. Or right. we could just change the words. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, but if you're a first time listener or you haven't been around for a while, we do a movie of the month review for the first half hour of our show, and the second half hour we jump into some kind of real life conversation and topics about the topic of the month. So. 
With that, we'll jump into the movie of the month for the month of February. Father Paul, the movie is... The Giver. The Giver. Right. Tell us a little bit about yes. The Giver. Uh, so it's a, a movie made off of a book. Uh, so it originally was the book, and it's uh, the context of it, or the, the storyline, in a seemingly perfect community without war, pain, suffering, differences, or choice, a young boy is chosen to learn from an elderly man about the true pain and pleasure of the real world. Father John, do we need any warnings? Is there any content advisory? No content advisory or warnings, but uh, it is uh, dystopian, I think you would call yeah. it. It's a dystopian uh, movie, novel, if you read the book. So young kids won't really understand what's going on. Um, and there are a couple of like underlying principles in it that are pretty kind of crazy, but kid, you know, there's no right, content right, warning. Right. It's a pretty clean movie. I yeah. think there's a kiss. Oh, in the dude. whole movie, there's a kiss. <laughs> right. so. Might be the first movie that wasn't a cartoon that was made with it. Yep. So the movie, initial thoughts or comments as you kind of went through The Giver. Um, how'd the thing hit you, resonate with you? Father Paul, what'd you think of it? Uh, I like it. Um, I read the book uh, before you did? we watched the movie. Yep. Had uh, you read the book previous? I read the book and watched the movie both previously. Because it's a pretty popular or famous yeah. book. It's yeah, not like a really new story. Popular. Yeah, how no, old so, do you know uh, how old it is when it was we have to look that up one written. of us with computer uh mm. check that out but it, the giver it's a book first and it's really a it yeah so i've talked to a couple of people and they're like oh the book is amazing i didn't realize mm -hmm. it was a book so you read the book and yeah. uh and then watched the movie and watched the movie yeah i think again it, it continues the underlying question of is making things easier better is that the solution to our problems? Uh, you know, so when there's pain and strife and suffering, is the complete elimination of that the answer to human need? So, and I suppose part of the conversation there is going to be are the consequences, mm -hmm. right? Maybe right, because could. we all want, I mean, I think we all want the ideal. Like nobody, nobody wakes up and says, you know, I want, pain and strife and suffering in my life today. We kind of have this ideal of what we want for the day. Things go well, you know, it just, you know, we, and like for me as an engineer, I'm always trying to figure out like, how could we make this better? Mm -hmm. uh, or like if somebody would have just thought this through and you wouldn't have this, then this would have been easier and this would all flow better. And you know, who designs this or that? So I can see it in me, this, this desire to make things smooth uh, and to think things through and to try to eliminate uh, unnecessary things. But at, at what point do you stop trying to make everything perfect? perfect? And can you? All right. Father John? Yeah, I thought the movie was awesome. I could sometimes don't get all excited about the movies we choose. You know, it's like, well, there's differences. And yeah. this was like, wow, you know, and I don't know if I chose it or not, but whoever, yeah, however we did. got it, did I? Okay. That, that, <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's right. Right. I, 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 did I Which is good. It. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you it liked it. It was a fantastic it. movie. You picked it. Not like those ones uh, Joe chooses. <laughs> Polar Express. Come on. Uh, no. Uh, no, yeah, I warmed up to that one, didn't I? <laughs> it is really interesting, isn't it? How you come to mm -hmm. precise, like, yeah. I mean, I didn't even remember I chose it, but I really was like, this is a great movie. <laughs> I'm so glad we picked it. I'm so glad we Whoever picked, picked it. Whoever picked this is a uh, uh, 
Yeah, so I really, really liked the movie, but I found myself the second time, I watched it a second time. The first time I said to myself, I'm just going to watch it. Yep. Okay, because usually I'm, you know, you want to like take some notes and stuff. And I watched it early on. I'm just going to watch it. Well, then literally, this is my brain, brothers. What's the movie we're doing, everybody? Oh, The Giver? Oh, what's The Giver about? Did I already watch this or not? (laughs) (laughs) Literally, I couldn't think of it. And then when I went on to Amazon Prime or wherever you watch it and watch to push it again, and I just saw the picture of Jeff Bridges, I was like, is there something wrong with me? Of course, (laughs) this movie was amazing. (laughs) So then I watched it again. But what I found myself doing, I'm taking notes and I sort of, it's really, there's a lot there and it's deep. And I kind of had a hard time watching it because I was really critical of myself, like, Oh, I can't get it. What's the point of the movie? What's the, what's the point of the movie? Uh, and I really kind of had to just let that go. What's striking you, John? What's interesting mm-hmm. to you? And it was really a good movie, but one I can see you would need to read or you need to watch the movie numerous times. Uh, and then you need to belong to a great group of people and you need to listen to Rutten Radio because you hear from Father Paul Rutten the simplicity of the whole point of the movie <laughs> uh, when you have someone who can just get right to the heart of things, a good engineer. So uh, loved it and looking forward to more discussion. Right. The philosophical nature of it, it's a little bit like The Matrix where there's this deep underlying philosophy behind the movie. And so somebody spent a lot of time studying, researching, and creating uh, this. But obviously, if it was a book, then the producers didn't. But uh, yeah, it was fascinating. Love the movie. I didn't love it as like a movie, like, oh, great. I can't wait. I enjoyed the philosophical, thoughtful, reflective nature to it. But as a movie, I hate sci-fi. And I oh. don't like, uh, like, this just not my genre of movie. But the philosophical nature of it immediately got me. The minute I understood that this is going to be about human organization of a perfect, perfect society versus the reality of broken humanness. I'm like, game on, let's do this thing, baby. Mm. And I was like, you too, taking notes and whatever else. Uh And then at some point just stopped. I'm like, no, just let this one go. Mm. Uh, And loved it, loved it, loved it. So as we kind of dive in here in the first half hour, you know, we can plumb a lot of different topics here uh, within the movie. What's one of the first things that jumps out at you, John, uh, when you say, hey, here's something that did grab me, right? You kind of stopped taking notes. What did impact you from the movie? The number one thing that impacted me was eugenics, uh, which is an underlying theme in it. It's not really a prominent, it's prominent in the mo- in it, but you wouldn't like immediately pick it up. But this is what happened was by accident, or by providence, I also end up watching a Amazon Prime documentary on eugenics. Oh, and so I didn't even see the connection oh. until I watched the video, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, that the movie is all about eugenics!" <laughs> like, uh, and and so and then realizing like the history of eugenics is in the the person. Like we have a long history of of covert underlying eugenics and. This is what I'll say in response to it. Be cautious of what you think you believe about eugenics and then give consideration to whether you have straight teeth and achieved that by braces. Because in some way, underneath, as I'm watching this whole thing, I'm like really trying to not like point fingers, but say, how could people think this way? Uh, 
Well, I think of eugenics like Hitler. Mm -hmm. I think of eugenics as burning people that I think are an inferior race. And then I wonder how Ivan the Terrible could exist or how these people could have done what they do. But when I'm watching this doc documentary, I have I discovered that eugenics in a significant way comes out of an American context and was the early 1910s, 20s that they were taking social Darwinism and they were applying it to the human species in the United States. This um, uh, Charles Davenport and Harry Laughlin in the 1920s really started digging into this idea. And I mean, they all of the things that Hitler put into action came from the state of California. It's the California eugenics policy that Hitler adopts. It comes from Francis Galton, who is Charles Darwin's nephew or cousin. Yeah. And so it's all coming out of this human engineering. We pick it up in America and we did it until the 1960s. We were sterilizing women that we didn't feel were appropriate to reproduce. Reproduce. I mean, yeah. it's just it's like, holy history. cow. And we can no. look at that and then be right. scandalized right. by it. Right, right. But the truth of the matter is, until Hitler, everybody thought of eugenics as a great word. <laughs> right. It even mean, it means good birth. Right. Good birth. They were at state fairs. We're the eugenics people. Right. All these women. Everybody's like, oh, they and have, that's they what they have slogans. in the movie, right? Is it's about good, yeah, creating good birth, yeah. right? They even detach the babies from mm -hmm. the the parents in order to kind of yeah. create the perfect environment in which mm -hmm. the civilization can be born and yeah. raised and. So the, the thing that I, that I took away from it as I'm brushing my, I had to go to the dentist and get my teeth cleaned. And I sort of realized, because I'm trying to go underneath. I'm like, how could people have thought this was good, you know, and go down. And then I'm like, as I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like, oh, I have pretty straight teeth. Like, oh, like in some small way, I can perfect my teeth. So I do, uh, I, you know, I want to have nice head of hair. So I do that. If I could figure out how to grow hair, I wouldn't be bald. Because, <laughs> no, like, yeah. and, and the thing that I find interesting is now we're in front of a fact that it's going underneath and you can see the re reality of power in this movie, uh, mm -hmm. how people want to have power to control human mm -hmm. behavior. And really what we have in, in the world today now is all of that desire is kind of still there, but it's underneath and the powers that be are trying to control who is born and how they're born. And it's now being left up to the individual. And so pretty soon a human person is going to be able to say, I don't want, I don't want these characteristics and these people. I mean, already in my life, if I say that, that would be like, well, if you have this, should you really pass it on? I mean, those are real questions and they're being left up now to the individual human person. That's free to say, right. And so yes, in the middle no. of this, we have a conversation so. or could have a further conversation about human dignity uh, because it's not to say that it's bad, evil to have your teeth fixed or, you know, yeah, but yeah. The and then levels right, of right, right. Or, so in yeah. intent, like yeah. intent is a moral category. So father, John, you went deep. You're all in on, the, you're off and running father. Paul, <laughs> did you kind of take that plummet into a deep, uh, mode within the movie or, uh, what, what resonated with you? Father John's was eugenics and human perfection. What jumped out to you? Yeah. I, again, I think. It sort of goes back to the, to the movie from last month, too. Uh, the ability to have the technology to change things. Uh, and so, again, 
you know, in the days gone by, if you wanted a better person, you made sure that you mated with someone who had the genes you wanted, you know, and so families would get together and they would then reproduce and, you know, those kinds of things. So like you had to do it and it was much more organic uh, of eugenics in the days gone by. Hmm. But now that we have the technology to do this, we can really begin to adjust things and make things better or worse or, you know, and so it is all technology, you know, so everything is produced uh, through technology in, in different ways. Uh, and the human person is sort of a byproduct of, of technology in the midst of it. Uh, for me, though, I think the the thing that was resonated first and foremost is the memories. So again, in this movie, uh, what happens is you discover that there is this person uh, who holds all of these memories that they have somehow managed to remove memory from people of things that are bad, things that are difficult, uh, inequalities, all kinds of things are, are somehow removed from the person. And this one person uh, has them and he's called the receiver and he holds all of these memories, but he has to pass it on somehow. And so thus uh, Jonas, we discover becomes the next receiver. Uh, and in that then is begun to get memories because he's got to hold them. Um, so in that, I kept asking this question, you know, about like, what do we do with our memories? You know, how do we look at them? And uh, what do I do if they're difficult memories? Are they really true? You know, how often can I have distorted memories? Uh, and I think something was one way, but it really wasn't mm -hmm. that way. Uh, in, in the midst of all of that. And then can we be healed of this? So again, when I have these memories, these thoughts, these tragic things uh, in the midst of it all, um, what do I do? And I think in that, again, one of the things we discover in this movie is we discover that there was a receiver who didn't succeed. Uh, and we find out that she didn't succeed because uh, he gave her difficult memories too soon. Mm. And so then I began to think, you know, what are we doing to our children? You know, at what point do our children need experiences and need things shared with them? And at what point do you hold them back? from having to experience them. And, and that real challenge that we face of when is someone ready to receive something? When is someone ready to receive an experience? Uh, when is not giving them that experience actually going to harm them? Uh, and I think that's the difficulty of raising kids, you know, as parents, like, you know, what do you, what do you let your kid experience? What don't you let your kid experience? Uh, how do you know all of those things? And I think in this movie, their theory was take everything that's bad out, don't let anyone experience anything bad or anything really like powerful, like emotion. Like it's just, and we discover that they, they, mm. you know, so that idea of our memories, what do we do with them? Uh, our experiences in the midst of it all was one. The, uh, yeah. So it reminded me of uh, Archbishop Carlson one time, I, I was I complained all the time about all kinds of things, but one of the things I was complaining about, um, I asked I, I was complaining about a priest's use of a word at mass. Like in my immaturity, I thought, oh, the priest said friend at mass instead of apostles. Like it was cool. well, I didn't realize that he's just choosing different collects or prayers sure. like he can say friend here it's not like he's the liberal priest that's trying to sure. ruin the mass right and i'm like what's this and archbishop never said anything to me he was bishop at the time and a while later i, I find out like oh 
the priest isn't crazy. He just is doing what the mass told him to do, right? And I said to Archbishop, how come he didn't say anything to me? How come he didn't tell? And he said, Joe, he said, sometimes, he said, when, when, a, when a puppy is born, it needs to open its eyes on its own. If we open the eyes for them, it can scar the lens, and that puppy will be scarred for the rest of their life in their sight. And what he was telling me is, Joe, some things you have to learn on your own, and I'm not the one necessarily to determine when that time is. Sure. That if I and and I just thought, oh wow, what a fascinating wisdom and maturity. Just to say, you know what, sometimes we do have a responsibility to help young people, right? And to to navigate life. But then there's also that balance that says sometimes people just have to experience things on their own and in their time, mm-hmm. they will then have the awakening, hopefully by God's grace, when according yeah. to his will. When the time is right. Uh, but that idea of memory and imagination is so powerful here because memory can uh, be kind of uh, broken mm-hmm. along with our reality. Oh, it's Yeah, which, which brings to light the necessity that we look at this. Like, what do you do in front of all of this then? Like, what is the, what, what are the dynamics that, front of it? you know, uh, What's required of us then to actually live this well? Live what? What well? Um, to, so, so we can diagnose it all. But sure. like, so what do we do, or what's the? Well, I think one you could say. So in the movie, we discover that every day they they take a drug, right? Mm-hmm. So every day they have to put their hand on this machine that gives them this drug that sort of numbs all of these feelings and these thoughts. Mm. So I think maybe for us, first and foremost, are we willing to stop numbing? our own thoughts and feelings and are we, you know, able to really let thoughts, feelings, emotions really come to the surface in that and to be able to say, I have to first understand how difficult this is. Because, you know, you realize this in the movie, uh, Jonas begins to experience all these things and then he wants other people to experience them, right? Yeah. And and again, it's this idea, well, they and then the giver is trying to say, well, they can't. Like they're not able to, they don't have the ability in this moment. And and so I think for us to first be able to say, am I aware of the way in which I sort of either numb or try to eliminate uh, pain, suffering, challenge in my life, from my own life? And am I willing to begin to, to really pray for the grace to let that experience become real for me? Mm. And then I just have to become aware of the world I'm living and out of that, then how do I interact with other people? Mm. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thought because I, I realized during it, the necessity of grace in a way, the movie shows, um, we could want that. Like, how does, well, Jonas even says it, like, how does the dad not know right. what he's doing when he's right. putting that baby like he is? And, you know, releasing how does, the baby, releasing the baby. And they have all this language and he's like, but, and he thinks he can get them to, to understand. Mm-mm. But when that moment I was like, ah, this is like us today, we can think we can get the world to understand just by telling them, mm-hmm. but in a way really grace is necessary. Right. And you, you don't, know it when you're living it, but when you try and communicate it and it's not moving, you're like, oh, this person doesn't have grace. They don't have faith to yeah. see what they're doing. And so the world just does things, not because. Yeah. yeah. Or they're not even open. This would be the other thing, you know? So uh, 
Jesus, you know, at one point is in the synagogue on a Sabbath and there's the man with the withered hand. Uh, and he says, you know, what do we do good on the Sabbath? Mm, right. Uh, and they're, and he was angry with them because their hearts or their hearts were hardened mm. and they wouldn't see it. So there's this real challenge that here is the author of grace standing before these people and they're unwilling to receive grace, mm. you know? So again, this real challenge uh, and, and it clearly says he was angry, oh. like angry with them. Uh, and so then I have to say, okay, Lord, where am I not open to grace? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Like, like not, let's not worry about the Pharisee right now. Like, yeah. Where am I oh. refusing your grace? Oh. Uh, and, and That's hard work, though. I don't, right? <laughs> I don't like that part. And it's hard because, again, it was this real challenge. Again, the law. The law says we don't work on Sabbath. Right. And Jesus is trying to get them to see beyond it. And, and so too, again, you can see that there's these laws, like everyone follows the rules in this community. Yeah. And so the law, and we can't break this, like we can't violate the law because what happens then? You know, like if, if they start doing whatever they want, then we're going to be back to where we were before war, violence, all of these things. Um, but love, charity, beauty, Color, music, dancing, you know, I mean, like when Jonah saw a wedding reception, dancing and family, like, he's like, how do I not have this experience? Right. What, what, uh, yeah. What moves, why does this move you so much? Well, because I think again, this is the challenge that when we are, when we sort of numb ourselves, then we don't really experience. Right. You know, so again, well, we say this all the time, right? You go out to eat and you look at people and they're, they're on their phones and they're not really engaged. They're not really like alive uh, because you can't just like, if you numb yourself all day long, mm. like, but it's going to be uncomfortable to sometimes, you know, and they're, and that ability to say, okay, well, how do I not, how do I not numb myself so that when I go to supper or I engage with someone, I really can be myself. Mm. Uh, I could go forever on yeah. this. That's some of the reason that I drank, <laughs> you know, is this idea of like being able to find a place in which you were comfortable, but it allowed me to hide from a lot of the anxiety, tension, fear, places that I wasn't comfortable going. Right. Um, well, this is a fast half hour. Holy smokes. Uh, the Giver is the movie. This is Rutten Radio. If you're out there listening, you can follow us on Facebook and on on your devices, your apps. So uh, we would love to have you join us here in the second half hour as we come back to discuss free will and suffering. <laughs> Sound like a deal? It's February. We'll catch you on the flip side. And we're back to Rutten Radio here on the Real Presence Network, your local and regional Catholic media network for all things awesome, including... Rutten Radio. You can catch us on Facebook or on your iDevices. And as we get going here for the second half hour of Rutten Radio, we watched in the uh, uh, for the month the movie The Giver. Fantastic movie. Lots of philosophical thought. A lot of depth to it. Great conversation in the first half hour. We'll transition into the second half hour with some more discussion around themes of freedom, free will, suffering, evil, and the such. But before we get to that, we've got to do shout outs. And I've got one addition to this month's program. Are you ready, fellas? 
<laughs> See, Paul's over there like, oh, great. Really What's he going to do now? I thought, well, we should do spot checks. What's a spot I was check? around a friend the other day, and he was like, well, well, I mean, you, you got your scapular on, right, Joe? And I was like, uh... <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. I, I left it. It's hanging on the doorknob of the bathroom because I took it. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, I wonder if my brothers have their scapulars. Brothers, do you, do you guys wear a scapular? Do you have evidence? Can you? Uh, you do. Look at them. Oh, you got a cool one. Yeah. Oh, Dude, nice. what's that? It's homemade. Andy. No way. You got a homemade scapular? Have, have yeah. a basic one. Dude, have, that's... Uh, it, was, it was just brown, and then I had... Blessed Charles Foucault is a friend of mine uh, in heaven. And so I <laughs> cut out his little thing and oh, sewed you did it on that. there. Yeah. And then, did you uh, actually do the sewing? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I've got uh, uh, a cotton ball that was used to wipe the tears of Bishop Dudley. You got that in there? It's in there, yeah. Well, how did you get that? Because he... God providentially <laughs> arranged that I should be in the right place. Father Paul, and do you still I... have the chasuble piece of John Vianney? That's awesome. You do? Yep. Yeah. How have I never known that? I don't know. How do you get that? Joe. Really? Don't say I'm not well, selfish. You are a giver. <laughs> I'm a giver. I'm a giver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so uh, all right. So that was a spot check. Second thing, spot check rosaries, brothers. You I got your rosaries? I my pocket. You're, you're, uh, nope, mine's not in my pocket. No, Father I... John is the only of the three. Mm-hmm. I left my... <laughs> I didn't even bring mine in, so like I'm throwing myself under the bus here. Father John's got his rosary. So Father John's two for two in the month of February with spot checks for the scapular and the rosary. Father Paul one for two. Professor Rutten one for two. Well, we'll see what happens next month, fellas. Shout out! Oh, so suddenly this has become an addition to the Rutten Media program. <laughs> well, Joe gets spice it up a little spot. bit, right? All right, if you're out there listening in the second half hour, we'd like to give a little shout out to some of our followers out there that listen to Rutten Radio and hit us up, and uh, or maybe some people that we ran into that kind of just made an impact on us. So shout outs. Father John, you got any shout outs? Um, I actually don't. No shout outs? <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't prepared. I haven't thought about it. I could say all kinds of people's names. Right. But when I give shout outs, I like to have be intentional. Yeah. So all right. I Father Paul? Prepare. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head. Oh, really? I we're know. all. We're all. Well, wow. I feel like I haven't really engaged with a lot of people right. about Rotten Radio. Or maybe if I have, it hasn't like. Oh, really? That I haven't felt like. Oh, yeah. Well, I've I had a lot of people I've, lately. So I've got, I've got yeah. one for you. All right. You go for Tom it. Tom and Melissa Howes. Oh yeah, well yeah. the house—they bought that package for uh, Rutten yeah. Radio at one of the the fundraisers, and it was a great gathering. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we had a great time over there. That was the—it was the same evening that Notre Dame played Syracuse the first time, and it was a great game, and like it was epic. And Tom House just took care of me. Yep. He knew one of the Rutten brothers. I think liked he knew him. that all three of us, really. But I think he knew his One pastor really, as well. really likes him. And boy, did he take care of us. So, yep. so with that, shout out to the house. I actually have some shout outs. Shelly Merrick. Oh, yeah. A faithful follower of Rutten Radio. Uh, gave and us a, a shout out on our Facebook page. And also Aunt Mary Lou Donnelly oh. gave us a shout out. Sending love to all you three guys. Uh, with a little cactus sign mm-hmm. symbol because she's Arizona. down in Phoenix. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, those are a couple of the shout outs. Oh, standing well. People, I've heard a lot of people talking about it because people loved Elf. Oh, right. <laughs> really? Yeah. You didn't know that? It's a great yeah. movie. Oh, isn't tons it? of people were talking about Elf. I saw so many people after that show 
uh, that were like, hey, oh, elf. yeah, I was even, I went over to visit someone's house and someone was shoveling the, the sidewalk next to it. And they're like, oh, rotten radio. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, so anyway, speaking, speaking of rotten radio, I don't get as much of it in public, but I do get a lot of people that have been looking at me lately. I don't know what the deal is. I feel like it was 10 years ago when, when I go into a grocery store and everybody would be staring at me like, like they knew me, mm. but they something was different. Well, now with the masks on, it's like a whole nother level because they can't see my beard. Oh. And I think they're like, well, maybe it's Paul too. Like I think, but lately I'm just like, it's not me. So if brothers, if anybody calls you or comes up and is like, how come you were rude and didn't say hello to me the other day? <laughs> just tell them it wasn't sure. you. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Topic let's move on. Half. Let's move on. Topic for the second half. So the movie, The Giver, they're really at the heart of the whole thing is kind of this philosophical uh, uh, problem of evil question. And they're trying to remove suffering. And in order to do so, they have to really remove human, human freedom, human free will, the ability for us to kind of determine our own course of action. Father John, when you look at that idea that like they want to get rid of the bad, but in order to do something, they have to get rid of the good. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think uh, it's helpful for me to separate free will from freedom. We sort of can sometimes clump them both in the same thing. Uh, in, in the Christian mind, freedom is the experience of being detached from things, but it comes because I'm full already. So if if you know you're loved by God, you have freedom because you don't need to be determined by all of those other things, okay? Whereas free will is my human ability to choose, that I have volition um, to say yes or to no to something. I can move forward or I can move back or I can stay the same. Uh, my intellect allows me to um, choose. And you can see in the movie that uh, while there's some sense of a kind of freedom that they're given, that ultimately their free will is taken away in that act because now they don't choose and everything is highly regulated and what they do is highly, you know, encouraged. And even all the way in the beginning, they're told when they transition to a new period of their life and they're told what their job's going to be. And they're told everything is planned. Uh, the whole thing is planned for them. So in that realm, uh, their free will is taken away. Uh, and ultimately, uh, I, I like the idea of, call, I've, I think this is a helpful one, when, to explain free will, when a child, a grown child, 19 years old, decides to go to college, and they go to college, the parents want to hear from them. And so mom will make a phone call, you know, maybe the next day, how's it going, you know, did you pick up the laundry detergent and things? You know, great, glad. Uh, uh, that roommate, he seems like he's a nice roommate. And and is, does it, you know, you guys going to go do something today? And Yep, 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 yep. Okay, thanks, bye. Next day, mom's wondering, I wonder if they went to the movie like they said they're going to. Uh, I wonder if they're, you know, oh, should I call, you know, oh, uh, uh, did you go to the movie? Yep, uh, yep. 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 Okay. It, it is a totally different experience when after they've been gone away and there's some space between the relationship and everybody's growing and kind of being like, oh, empty nest and oh, I 
kind of wish they were here, but I'm kind of glad they're not. It's a totally different experience when that child calls home totally unprovoked for no reason that they even need anything but to say hello. In a sense, that's the thing that's taken away. That's the gift of free will is that there's a space where you know the other person is a full person and they're calling me of their own volition. It's not to get something or to control something or to respond, oh, I'd better call because they're going to want me to call. Um, you experience what? Love. Now, all those other things can be love too. You can love someone by asking for help and you can love somebody by helping, but it's this like experience of, oh my gosh, they want me. They want to talk to me. They want freely. to share with they me. They choose. Freely. Free will. Right. You know, it's funny. They, uh, it, it was since I got into university in the past 10 years or so, they've talked about uh, the moms that they have to kick out of the dorm rooms for freshman orientation. Like there's one famous story where the mom spent the first week in the dorm with the kid. They're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, so now they intentionally have have not like just here, but generally speaking, orientation set sessions are set up as a strategy to disconnect the parent from the, ch the child at mm -hmm. orientation. And you know that 45% of our audience right now is upset at you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, but I think right. this is important. And it's like when we're watching the movie, it's a really helpful thing when you have the tenderness to yourself that you can say, oh, I think that might be me. <laughs> you know, right, so right. yeah, there's we some all play got a piece in there. Of but, it. Father Paul? Yeah. Yeah, but again, I think with that, the to see that the challenge is we don't, we, we perceive a suffering that we don't want someone to endure. And so mm -hmm. again, the, the motive we see, there is a good in it. And I think this is the thing that we don't always see for other people. It's, I don't always see the good that they think they see or what they see in it. And so then I make a judgment about them based on my thought about them making whatever they're doing, you know, so well, why can't that parent just detach from their kid? Like, well, I don't know. Well, maybe they really have had problems. Mm. Like maybe that child really has had detachment problems. And I don't know, you know? Um, so there could be some reason behind it. But again, I think I know. Uh, but at the same time, no parent is saying, I'm going to spend a week with my kid because I want to ruin their life. Like, right. You right. know, this is, I think, this problem. Like we, we don't really, I mean, people don't do things because it's bad, they see a good or they desire a good and they can't see a way around it or they think that their method uh, is going to bring about the good. Correction taken. Awesome. So, That's really helpful. It so, reminds me, Paul, of uh, saying when, when someone's doing things, you, you kind of say either God hasn't shown them or they aren't willing. Mm -hmm. But it kind of leaves it up to them and God. Yep. And I don't have to be the arbiter. Right. It's just like, well... They're all you know, and that's really charity, right? That this idea of willing the good of the other, mm -hmm. um, and or, or a willingness to to ask them or to 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 let them explain, maybe even, you know, and then to listen to them and their what they're trying to do or what they think they're doing, and maybe they'll they'll discover on their own in saying it. Oh, maybe this isn't going to work. But this is every first parent, right? Every first parent thinks they know how to do it, and then they. 
the second one comes along and they do it different. And then the right. third. And so from my experience, the part of the first parent is the fear of the unknown and like you don't want to screw it up, right? right? So like in some ways, the utopian societies a realistic understanding of like, yeah, it kind of would be nice if somebody would just do this for me or tell me exactly how this thing is supposed to be done. Cause I don't want to mm. screw it up. Right. My, my intent is not to helicopter this thing or to, to live this child's life. My intent is to will, will the best for this person, but I don't know how to do it the first time around. And I get experience and I learn and I change and I, you know, so I think that for me, just what I took there is be careful, Joe, of assuming the negative. Be careful of assuming, uh, you know, that, you know, in the yeah. middle of it all, it really is love. Or, but the question is, is it, it yeah. how can we best love? How can we love, love it, love through listening? Yeah. Or we use our own experience and w again, so we look at how we were raised and then we make that judgment, whether it was good or bad. We thought, well, I'm not, my kid will never have to eat broccoli. Like, or my kid will never have to, you know, drive a really bad car or what, you know, all these things. Because we looked at it and saw it as a bad thing, but it still made us who we are. Right. Yeah. Why? Why is? Why does God permit suffering? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. One, because He gives us free will, and because the ultimate good comes out of it. Like this is the this is the thing we always have to reconcile. Our salvation was won by the suffering of Jesus Christ, so there is a good that can come out of it, uh, in the midst of it all. Uh, suffering purifies, uh, suffering really brings, can bring clarity in the midst of it. I think the challenge is, is when I can't see the purpose. And so that's, I think where people struggle is when it seems either unnecessary or unfruitful, uh, you mm -hmm. know, uh, so I don't understand how a kid dying from cancer in a hospital bed is good. Right. Like what sort of God permits that, you know? Uh, and that I think is the real challenge. And, and there, I don't know that there is an answer. And this is the thing. Can we just sit with them in it and just mm -hmm. be present? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I, I can sense that the need for suffering only makes sense in that larger context. You know, it's like, it has to be opened up to the joy. It's right. like the sledding, right? Right. Uh, you, isn't it interesting? So they, so the part of, for all of you listening, the part of how this giver gives the new receiver these memories is he's introduced to like dreams almost, but they're real. Mm -hmm. And the first one, he wakes up in this forest and it's snow, there's snow on the ground and he finds a sled mm -hmm. and he goes sledding. And it was really interesting to think. I didn't even second time is when I figured that out. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, the first thing they're doing is introducing the joy of sledding. And then I'm, and because I was like, I don't understand why this would be a big deal. And then he looks at that house and they're singing. And okay, I can kind of figure that out. Well, you know what I remembered? Ryan Noonan. <laughs> we were sledding at Terrace Park and Ryan Noonan had this new like toboggan. It was awesome. <laughs> and he ran into a tree and busted his knee and just totally yeah, his MCL. Oh, it was bad, bad <laughs> stuff. And and then I had this memory that's almost like that one doesn't bother me because I didn't see it happen. But 
we were sledding, we were adults and all the grandkids were there and Rachel Flynn oh, yeah. was going down and there was a picnic table and some and she was going right for the picnic table and by someone herself. by herself and someone screamed like like duck or something and literally she just was going down full speed and she just laid back and went right under the picnic table. No, and oh, yeah. I watched it. Yeah, and I, still I have remember. this memory sometimes yeah. that haunts me. What if she hadn't laid down it? So so yeah, interestingly enough, like that's the that's the tie. There's this beautiful joy that you can experience sledding, this conviviality, this time with friends, this oh. life with family, and yet it can, it's dangerous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so yeah. this is in the movie, and I thought, oh, so this, you have to see suffering in context in a way to understand, oh, but that yeah. joy. Right, right. You know? Would you give up the opportunity for the joy? Yeah. If it comes with the risk of the danger, you know, it's like, well, well and so here's the thing mm. in the movie and in, in, in life, <laughs> I, I shouldn't be the arbitrator of your decision. Sure. Mm. And this is, I think the real challenge. How do I, how do I give you the information and then say, but you have to make the choice. Like this is the risk. Mm. And this is what God does. I think for us is he is willing to give us sometimes all of the things we need to know. And then he lets mm. us make our choice. Right. And so this is why I love my job. You know, you guys know that I just love teaching so much because it's, I get to help young people understand who they are and then how to live so that they flourish. And they have tools that they've been given. One is their intellect. And Father John, you mentioned it earlier. I think actually you, you might have mis misunderstood what you said. You said our intellect gives us the ability to choose. Well, our intellect gives us the ability to know the good the true, right? The will is the tool that yeah, we yeah. then choose oh, yeah, with, yeah, right? Yeah, now you, yeah. that's what you meant. But yeah. so, so that idea that says, all right, yeah, but in human freedom, I have to be the one to choose, right? I can't stop and say somebody else lived this thing for me or somebody else do this thing for mm -hmm. me as a part of my human freedom. I have a responsibility mm -hmm. of my own nature to choose and live this, this beautiful gift that God gave us. And, you know, part of where my transformation has been coming more recently in the last few years is to, re is to realize that this has less to do with me choosing first as it does with me receiving. That if I'm not willing to receive the divine grace, the help <laughs> that my choosing just doesn't ever quite add up to being enough. Mm -hmm. The perfection that I'm looking for my human will alone cannot achieve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the more I pull the boot up, the the harder it seems like, you know, and just to stop and let go. That's your prayer of abandonment, abandonment to start the hour, right? As we kind of wrap up this this hour of Rutten Radio, that prayer of abandonment that you started with, like right when you said it, I was like, oh, I need that prayer. <laughs> you know, that maybe that should be me today because I just want to control everything. Huh? Mm -hmm. I want to control my life, other people's lives, and then it just doesn't work out and I go crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, my kids, holy smokes, you want and I'm like maybe this is why mom and dad <laughs> went crazy. But that ability to let go. And that's why I love parenthood because parenthood really challenges selfishness and control. Cuz you better believe in God cuz if you think you're going to do this by yourself, good luck. 
But if you do believe <laughs> you're in talking God, the Dupree's right now, we're like you're talking. Yeah, just tell us. Talking about about okay, yeah. yeah, but yeah. but it but, yeah. it does. It puts you in front. Yeah. Well, your parishioners. No, right? I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I have no. I, <laughs> I I know when I come over that it's a little touchy sometimes. But yeah, I can only imagine when I leave, like what you actually deal with when. And thanks for coming over. By the way, yeah. I can't tell you guys how awesome it is when you two come over yeah. to our homes. Like. I know that you got lots of places, but when you're able to come over and share that life with us and, and sure. it's so wonderful, but it also reminds me that you do live a different vocation, right? Mm -hmm. And that some of the experiences we have, it's like, holy crap, what is it? If you are forced to deal with your selfishness and your desire, mine, my desire to control because yeah. they're their own persons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to realize that, you know, God's not going to force us to do anything. And so we really do have to keep learning how to, to respond uh, to the right things, mm. you know, because it is hard. You know, people will sometimes say, well, how can this be bad if it feels good? Or how can this be bad when it looks good? You know, so often when it comes to the moral life, if they can't see it, then, well, how can it be? And sometimes you can't really explain it. You, you, you want him just to say, just trust me that, you know, uh, this isn't good, <laughs> right. even though it might feel good or, or look good or seem good in this moment. Um, and so can I trust as well the other person, you know, and that's part of raising kids. Right. Like, you know, trust me. Like, Interestingly, in the movie, that, that same thing happens because, in, interestingly enough, the family unit is all contrived. Right, right. So nobody's actually belongs to each other. Oh. But the whole thing is structured then on a lack of trust. Right. That that basically right. every precision of language. Yep. Like, we don't trust you to, like, you know, the whole thing has to, uh, is based on not, not trusting. Right. And then someone is listening and then correcting if the family doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. You know, so then someone steps in and says, you know, this was a violation, you know, so we don't do that. And again, how do you, how do you help young people begin to accept and to take on their responsibility uh, for their free will and for their freedom? Like, when do you start giving it to them? You know, and in the movie they do it, right? So at age nine, you get a bike and a bike is a sign of freedom. Mm. Um, and so now you get to ride your bike, which gives you more freedom. And so again, there's these levels, you know, and so, but maybe your 12 year old shouldn't be given the freedom, uh, but your next kid, when they're 12, they should get the free like this. Like, again, that's why you have to pray because every kid is different. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, and if there's ways to engage their freedom and illuminate their intellect, help them learn what is right and good, true and good, um, true so that they can do the good and then engage it in a way that they begin to experience both the gift and the consequence of those things before it's too serious. I always think like, uh, you know, sometimes parents letting kids choose where you sit, you know, can be a way to engage the freedom or, you know, it, it, things like that, where it's not whether we're going to mass or not, we're going to mass. Oh, but you like to sit up front. Okay. Let's sit up front. And maybe mom or dad doesn't like to, but that kind of, you know, mm. uh, and, the, and then, you know, well, they really want to sit in the back. Well, you want to sit in the back so you can ignore whatever. No, we're going to, you know, anyway, there's ways I think that you can engage people's freedom and realize the whole family. Uh, I remember uh, um, watching a documentary and this person said their grandma at the table always let every person speak. And he was a little boy 
And he learned early on, I have a voice that's important at this table because grandma let me speak. And so that like educated him in a way that sometimes we just like, we miss the opportunities to do it in a healthy way. And so it comes out in big consequential ways. So, Well, this has been great. We're we're coming to a close here uh, as we wind down the February episode of Rutten Radio. The movie was The Giver conversation in the second half hour around suffering and freedom, free will. Um, any final thought that you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, I guess I would encourage people if you really are experiencing real suffering to really pray for the grace to, to be able to, to sense God's presence in the midst of the suffering. You know, right. people really are really struggling in many ways and that need for grace and to keep opening yourself up to receive it. Father John. Ditto. It's God. not easy. There's no, just pray, Father. Right. Father God is love us. and he's present to us now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Should we close with the, well, oh, movie of the month for next month. <laughs> Do not forget movie of the month for next month. Beauty and the Beast. The 2017 version, Beauty and the Beast. Sounds good. Yeah. Together, let us close with the family prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time right here at Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. Peace and God bless.